The Braves have won 100 games again. It's hard to do. That's, it's uh, quite an accomplishment, I think, anytime you can win 100 games. But are there legitimate reasons to worry again? From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscana, who is in the District of Columbia. And Justin, this should have been a great weekend. Braves get a couple of wins, win another series. They set some records. There's been some history. Instead, there's uh, two major starting pitchers on the injured list. Yeah, kind of weird, right? Because on one hand, the Braves have won 100 games again, and they've done it in back-to-back seasons for the first time in two decades. This is a fantastic era of Braves baseball developing. On the other, in the short term, Fans are, of course, going to worry about Charlie Morton and Max Fried, who have both landed on the injured lists with situations that are on the opposite ends of the spectrum from one another. How much do you need to worry? Well, we're going to we're going to go over that. Yep. Dig into the Braves pitching woes. How big of a deal is it? Plus the milestones Atlanta has achieved in D.C., including 100 wins, 40-40 and an RBI record. Who is auditioning for a postseason roster spot? And we've got the answers to most of your questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to the show. Welcome aboard and hop on for the ride. We've got a lot of fun coming up here on the playoffs, so make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And tell your friends, too, and tell your enemies, uh, the more the merrier, here on the Braves Report, which is presented by Kroger. And there are few better times of the year this time of year, we got postseason baseball coming up. We got college football. We got pro football. We got better weather. It all collides now. So enjoy it. Have your friends over and grab all your game day favorites from your local Kroger store. It's even easier to do now with a Kroger Boost membership. Boost makes it easy to prep for the big game with free delivery and two times the fuel points. So save money and time and enjoy the game. Head to Kroger or go online to Kroger.com and click on the link in the show notes as well to find how to sign up for Kroger Boost. All right, let's start with this. Why can't we have nice things like true doubleheaders anymore? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Do the Nats really need that, like, extra gate of 5,000 people and 100 dogs? I, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. The split doubleheader is... uh is the day from hell in the baseball world <laughs> to everybody involved. Uh, but Jay, I'm, I'm actually going to say this, you know, I've, as you know, a beat writer, we were going to get to fly home on a Sunday night, which is always very luxurious the day before an off day, which would have been nice this week though. I was happy to trade that in for a, a free Saturday of nothing, but what turned out to be an excellent college football slate that pretty much lived up to the hype. So, uh, yeah, that was that was awesome, but glad they got two in today so they didn't have to play on the mutual off day. A um, little bit of a weird weekend, though, because of what we discussed. You started with a win and then the history, right? Ronald goes 40-40. He creates 40-60. He could have 40-70 pretty soon. Um, and then Max Freed. He's got, you know, he's got the blister. He lands on the injured list. Charlie Morton um, suffers a finger sprain. He lands on the injured list. And now we're left with kind of a bunch of questions, right? Like that I think fans are very concerned about this. And if you're wondering how concerned to be, well, let, let's let's kind of dig into that. Where do we start, Jay? Well, let's go ahead and start with Max Fried. We'll, we'll take it from the top. Uh, and, you know, Max Fried pitched pretty well on Thursday night, then somewhat surprisingly lands himself on the injured list with a blister something that obviously happens you know 
often. Um, just more about managing and dealing with it and kind of it's more of like case by case, I would say. Um, but, you know, I should be, should be good to go for, uh, you know, we're looking at obviously playoffs are most important, so whatever's going to be able to get us a bite for that, and that's what we're going to do. The timing came in just under the wire, but no deal, small deal, big deal. Yeah, small deal. Um, because logically, anybody would be like, wow, that's kind of concerning. Like, if you can't pitch through it, because obviously the ideal setup would have been to have your ace throw one more tune-up before the postseason, and then he goes into the postseason on not too long of a layoff. Because remember, it was going to be a long layoff anyways, unless he started that Sunday game, because they're not playing until the Saturday, uh, which is game one of the NLDS. Small deal, though, because, Jay, are you really going to look me in the eye and tell me that Max Freed with a blister is not going to be able to start game one of the NLDS or game two of the NLDS, however they want to line it up, because of that blister, which will have had two weeks to heal. I don't know. I've never pitched at that level. I don't know what it's like. In fact, I've had a couple bad blisters in my life. I hate opening car doors when I've got a blister. They're terrible. So I don't even know how anybody pitches with one. But if Max Fried's blister is still a large issue after two weeks, my thought is that it's probably more than a blister. Like, I don't know. You know, I don't, I've never, so I, I think with the high-tech equipment that he mentioned in that press conference where you heard that quote, that scrum, I should say, the ointments that they give him, a treatment, throwing with tape on it, like, I think he will be fine. Um, the issue is, is he going to have enough time to then be effective in his second start of the postseason if the fluid builds up. And if you get what I'm saying there, basically what I'm trying to get across is you hope this 14 days, this two weeks that he has on the injured list, the 15 days, but two full weeks now, you hope that the blister is just completely eradicated, dried out, whatever by that time, because you don't want it to be a situation like it just was where they gave him extra time he was fine. He goes out and throws in D.C., has a great start, but then it builds up fluid at the end. And then, you know, he wasn't going to be able to make his next start anyways. So you don't want it to be that situation where then you're like, oh, shoot, our ace is, you know, he's got a blister. He's still dealing with it. He's got to pitch important games through that. You want it to be completely eradicated. I think this is a small deal because it it would seem to me like a blister would, would be fine after a couple weeks like that the way he would be able to manage it and the treatment he would get for it. All right. Now as for Charlie Morton and his finger injury. The optimistic side of me says, like, yeah, I'll be fine in 10 days. and like, I'll be good. But I, I, I just don't know because it's a finger. It's like if I felt something pop in my shoulder or if I felt something go in my elbow or something like that, but it's literally, like, <laughs> such a small piece of my body, like, and it could have a large impact on how I uh, how I perform and if if I can go at least um, to a degree that I'm effective. You know, so it's hard to answer that question because it is such a weird thing to hurt. All right, so he won't be able to pitch in the NLDS now. But uh, same question: no deal, small deal, big deal. 
Um, yeah, I think it's a big deal. Uh, the Braves hope he can pitch in the NLCS if they advance there. But you've got to wonder about the layoff, right? Like the steps of when is he going to be able to – he's seeing specialists in Atlanta and doctors, um, you know, with the team that are going to give him a more, you know, a, a fleshed-out plan. That's what Brian Snicker said uh, on Sunday morning before the doubleheader. But the questions I have are, you know, how, how long, if, you know, at all, is he going to have to back off of throwing because of this? And then when he does start throwing, will it just be sim games that ramp him up? Um, that, you know, it's it's tough. Like, I, I think that's a big deal because that's one of your best starters. Like, I know people think of Charlie Morton sometimes as that guy whose outings go awry, you know, out of nowhere. But that's just cynical social media fans talking to you, right, for the most part. This is a guy who's got a th- almost a 3-5 ERA over 30 starts at age 39. And oh, by the way, he's got postseason experience. And oh, by the way, on top of that, he's pitched multiple game sevens and has proven successful in them. And so I think this is a big loss. I mean, I because what's to say that he will be ready for the NLCS? Their training staff and their doctors are, you know, are wonderful. They're smart people and they're just giving, you know, the timeline. I'm just saying is somebody who you never know with injuries, um, that that is a big deal to me because it's something more than a blister, right? With Max Fried's blister, we can say, okay, like this should be fine in a couple weeks. Like this should give him enough time for it to not be an issue. I don't know what the inflammation in Charlie Morton's finger is going to do, or I don't know how that sprain is going to heal. Um, it just there are unknowns in that. I was hope, you know, I was it was encouraging to hear Snit say that. You know, we they, they expect that he'll be ready for the NLCS. That's encouraging because if there was a shot that he wasn't, I don't think the Braves would say that. They're so careful with their updates uh, and they're pretty precise, I would say, um, with what they try to put out there on injured players that I don't think they would have given a timetable like that if there was a good chance that, you know, if there was a 50-50 that he, he might not be ready. I think it's going to be that, you know, he will be ready at, at some point then. But yes, he will not pitch in the NLDS. I think it's a big deal. I mean, I just think when you're talking about a finger, and, and also, has anybody ever described a finger injury as thoughtfully and in depth as Charlie did right there? <laughs> that, was, that, that was impressive. That was classic Charlie. One thing he said later on, a couple minutes after that, is he goes, You know what? Like, I don't feel like I've lost a lot of my finger. Like, I'm going to be able to drive. I'm going to be able to, you know, do laundry, open doors, whatever. But the one thing you need your finger for specifically is pitching. And so for him, it's a matter of not can he go out there and pitch, but how effective is he going to be? So even if Charlie can return, does this render him ineffective compared to how he's been in the regular season? That's my main concern with this. And I don't I hope that doesn't sound too Debbie Downer because it'd be awesome if he got back in the postseason. And, you know, because the team said he could, I would expect that would be a possibility. But I just think you you just never know when an injury like this comes into the equation with sprains, things like that. Like it, it does naturally create questions. And so now, Jay, you have this basically perfect team and no team is flawless, but this one has the offense. 
They have the defense. They have athletes. They can run the bases. They've got a deep pitching staff. But now you take, okay, some questions with Max Freed. Is that blister going to be completely gone? And then you have Charlie Morton. You lose two of your top three horses in a year where you don't have Kyle Wright, really, because of what he's gone through. I think it's pretty big. Um, Here's where we can provide something a little bit optimistic and encouraging. So last year, the built-in off day in that NLCS, that kind of after, you know, game one, was in the AL. This year it is in the NL. So Jay, you, me, and a host of our colleagues and our peers will be at Truist Park on that Saturday, October 7th. We won't return until the Monday, October 9th. What that means is that Max Fried and Spencer Strider can start four of those five games in the NLDS. And game three, I believe, is the only one where the Braves um, would have to start somebody else based on how the days align. And so at this point, I think you probably have enough confidence in Bryce Elder to start that one. He's done enough for you this year that I think he's earned that start. Um, Unless they don't like the matchup, um, unless something happens, I think Bryce has done enough for you where he has earned that start. Uh, So that is okay. But yeah, I mean, questions. You just, when when things like this get brought into the equation, um, and I think to to a degree, Max Fried had to go on the injured list. It had to open up a roster spot. He wasn't going to be able to pitch anyways. Just give him the time, whatever. Charlie Morton, that one brings up a lot of questions, um, not only about if he can get back, but the effectiveness when he does. What do you think of the Kyle Wright, the bullpen experiment today? Yeah, interesting. I think so. Snit said before the game that it's going to be a way to kind of keep him from being taxed, one. And two, the Braves can get different looks at him and, and multiple looks at him at that because that's really what they need, right? is a couple weeks ago we were talking about Kyle Wright's return, what it would mean, how the Braves would evaluate him and all these other guys fighting for postseason roster spots. Well, I mean, Kyle hasn't looked great. Today he allowed a run over three innings. That was good. And he felt encouraged with how he threw the ball. And I would even say for those who did not watch the game, and even for those who did, that should not have been charged to Kyle Wright, that run. Uh, that was a play that probably should have been made by Ozzy Albies. Um, and I think Ozzy would probably tell you that Kyle. So for, I'm thinking of this as three scoreless for Kyle, uh, but he has allowed 10 runs over 11 innings. I believe it is, or 11 runs over 10 innings, um, since returning from the injured list, um, which is not great at some point he wants to post the results, but he believes it's about reps. I just think that. Right now, you never know what can happen a post in a postseason, but right now it seems like they want to get Kyle Wright used to pitching out of the bullpen. And sure, they would want multiple looks. Pitching him out of the bullpen gives them a chance to see him twice or three times, if you count today, before the postseason to see where he's at and to see what he can give them. Um, and that doesn't mean he won't start, but I think that right now it looks like the likeliest option would be Kyle right out of the bullpen in the NLDS if he makes the roster. Um, and so I think it's an interesting experiment, but definitely once you started crunching the numbers uh, on the roster and looking at what different pitchers were doing and how they were performing and their timelines, it, this isn't all that surprising. Um, but, you know, I think Kyle said today, he's like, who, you know, it's anybody's guess. I mean, who knows if I'm, you know, if it's a realistic possibility, if I pitch in the bullpen, you know, he's willing to help the team in any way. 
this seems like the most realistic way because I just, and this is no, you know, no offense to Kyle. I mean, God, the guy won 21 games last year, but just the way his season has progressed this year and has gone, you can't, I don't think you can send him out there over a Bryce Elder. I mean, maybe you can if the team feels good with it and things change in the last week. And certainly those people making the decisions are far smarter than I am. Um, But I think that the bullpen is the most realistic possibility for him to help this team. Well, if the Braves could have solved all those problems, they would require a starting pitcher the trade deadline. You know that, right? Oh, my God. That, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> you know what? Like, I'm somebody who doesn't like to reply on social media to people like that just because I think it breeds a lot of, like, I don't want to come off as high and mighty because I, I don't know more than everybody else does at all. Like, at all. Um, and I also don't like to feed trolls. Like, some people like that are just always cynical they're always going to be like that they just want attention that's fine that one almost gets me in a loop though because it's like who would you have wanted this team to acquire lance lynn has given up 15 home runs since the dodgers acquired him and a, <laughs> and a mlb high 45 home runs i think this year it's a lot. jack flaherty um i think i saw somewhere on social media he got moved to the bullpen right i, I mean Look at what happened. Lucas, to Lucas Giolito, yeah, Lucas Giolito did so good. They just cut everybody. Hey, yeah, I. That's the one thing is like, you can say I've been getting a lot of those like, God, I wish Alex Anthopoulos had worried about the depth. Or like, man, if only Alex hadn't gotten so arrogant and not worried about our depth. Here's a stat in case we need to repeat it. The 16 different starting pitchers the Braves have used, yes, which includes three bullpen openers, that ties a franchise record. The other four Braves teams who did that, they all had losing records. You're not supposed to be a winning team that starts 13 to 16, however you want to count it, different starting pitchers. I promise you, like, this team has good depth, but I do think it's just hard for some fans to see. I think some people want... Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider level depth for through option 10. And that just doesn't happen. Like nobody's got like, I promise you if Zach Wheeler went down tomorrow, the Phillies would probably be toast. Like look at what Michael Lorenzen has done after his no hitter. He didn't even get through an inning against the Braves. I mean, we could go on and on about this, but I promise you, I bet the Dodgers would love to have Bryce Elder right now. And I bet they would love to have Alan. Alan Winans would have a rotation spot for the Dodgers, I think. I mean, you can look around this postseason field, and yes, the Braves are going through some of this stuff, but the depth has been really good. I just think that's hard for people to see because it's like they don't want any of that drop-off. And I know there's a difference between depth and quality depth, but these guys, like I I promise it can get a lot worse than Alan Winans, Darius Fines, A.J. Smith-Shaver, like, I promise it can get a lot worse. I mean, as much as we praise you know, Alex Anthopoulos and as much as he's told us over and over again how much he worries about depth this year, next year, the year after that, we're not in the room. Nobody is. We don't know what he was, what 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 deals he turned down. And as he has brightly pointed out, he's had chances to trade Spencer Strider and wisely chose not to. Yeah, and like. I would assume like conversations probably started with Vaughn Grissom, right? And AJ Smith Shaver. I would assume those guys probably got brought up a lot, um, as did other players. But they know this. 
And they're fortunate to be in this position where they don't have to overreact to anything. You can't really... Acquiring starting pitching comes at a high cost. Signing free agent starting pitching comes at a high price. That is not sustainable. Like, you can't... You will... If you try to... Mets, New York. Exactly. You will anchor yourself to the bottom of the ocean if you try to go the free agent route with starting pitching... And you'll just drain your farm system. And like, look, like the Mets, because they were able with Steve Cohen's capital to pay those contracts down, they literally got a three prospects who helped their double A team. And this, I know this doesn't mean much, but I think helped their double A team win it all, I think, for double A. I think they, they did the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. But they literally got Acuna's brother because the Rangers felt they needed starting pitching so badly. The Rangers wanted to go for it so badly that they gave up a top 50 prospect in baseball. Like, and then they got from Dana Brown, ex-Braves executive, a scouting guy, you know, scouting, amateur scouting president. He gave the Mets two prospects because for Justin Verlander. And this weekend, the Royals swept the Astros in three games. The Astros have lost, I think, seven games to the Royals and the A's in the last week and a half. Uh, you just, it's just unsustainable. Like, and, and like you said, we're not in the room. Like, that's the hardest part. It is our jobs to come on here and to analyze and to present ideas um, and sometimes to opine. But. I think you've always got to remember that. Maybe if you're not, you're not, maybe not if you're a fan, but if you're us, yes, you've always got to remember. Like, I promise, the people in the room are a lot more equipped to do that than we are. Maybe the most creative general manager in baseball. If he didn't have a deal, he probably didn't have a deal because, heck, he's already acquired one of the most impactful pitchers at the deadline, Pierce Johnson. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, like. Brad Hand has not been perfect, but he hasn't been terrible, and he saved a game in Philly. And, yeah, like Pierce Johnson, people were saying, oh, my God. Like, I know on our podcast, it was like, oh, my God, this guy's got a 6 ERA. God, 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 what's A doing? Like, yada, yada, yada. Well, looks like the stuff's pretty good, huh? Because that went down a couple <laughs> runs over the last month and a half, two months. Um, I, and I also think, look at what Nicky Lopez is doing. He was a perfect fit for this team. Look at what Kevin Pillar is doing. And Kevin Pillar is the same um, guy they brought in basically as the last outfielder signed, I think, into a minors deal with, a, I think it was a $3 million major league guarantee uh, if he made it to the majors. I This is not, as Monday's episode of the Braves report on September 25th is not the Alex Anthopoulos praise show, but... I do think it's worth mentioning this front office as much as any in baseball, if not more than most in baseball, deserves some trust, deserves some leeway, and then deserves some credit for what they've been able to do. Uh, as Snit said, the Braves, not any, you know, with Charlie Morton's injury and, you know, Max Fried, just the things that happened, not any hill that we haven't climbed before. Remember, this is a team that won the World Series without Ronald Acuna Jr., the guy who's going to be the National League MVP later this year. Um, I, I think I think they're going to be fine. Like I don't look at this and see disaster quite yet. I, I do think they've got depth because as much as it would hurt if Charlie didn't pitch until the NLCS or didn't pitch again, or I'm just speaking in the worst-case scenario, 
they've got depth. They've got guys who have won games. You need your horses, yes, but I look around the NL field. I don't see many rotate, you know, or the playoff field. Let's just say in baseball, I don't see many, you know, rotations I would take over this one. Uh, and that's the honest God's truth. Like, I, I just think you're going to want Max Fried and Spence. That's about of good, as good of a one-two punch as you can hope for. I think these guys are going to be fine. I don't think it spells disaster, but then again, we didn't think that last year, and look what happened to the DS. Braves, perfect season, going to get derailed by two fingers. Stand by. But until then, uh, coming up, Ron Lacuna gets his milestone, so we'll discuss that and also what's going to matter here in the final week of the season. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we've been encouraging if you're a longtime listener to this show that it's time to beef up for the postseason. And if you're just jumping on board for the ride, well, my goodness, our sports editor, Chris Villamore, just sent out the roster of folks who are going to cover just the division series. And it's like a lineup. We're, we're going to be rolling like nine deep at Truist Park. And there's only one way that you can get everything that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has to offer as we begin our postseason run here, and that is to subscribe to the AJC. Everything Justin writes, our army of columnists and other reporters that are going, all of our photos, social media, newsletters, on and on and on. So to take advantage of all this, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get three months of unlimited, unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's going on during the playoffs and everything else uh, that we have to offer like uh, college football coverage and pro football coverage and news and dining and entertainment and investigations etc 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 but we know you're here for the braves and we're going to be ready for you coming up in a couple of weeks yeah it's it's pretty insane how much you get for yeah 99 cents for the first three months um i have i always say this on this show i've bought a lot of packages of airport sausages like in the morning way too early in the morning sausages Let me I have mean, no, no free ads. No free ads. <laughs> it's going to sound weird if you don't want any free ads. How no, do you I, use your sausage in a biscuit and a croissant? Do you just eat the sausage? I, no. Yeah, like dried, like, uh, what do you call it? Like um, like snacks, uh, like in a snack bag. You know what I mean? Like, or here, let's go with this. I, I, I bought it's way too it's many airport, airport protein bars that have set me back, set the AJC back, actually, because I'm expensing these. $5.00. I mean, yeah, you got to get breakfast in the morning somehow when nothing's open and you're the lone sicko psychopath who's flying home at 6 a.m. Uh, but no, I, I let's just say I would, I would enjoy my value a lot more if I got a lot more for that over the span of, of three months than, uh, 
then setting me back on all those sausages like that. So yes, <laughs> it is a great deal. And yeah, we're going to have, I mean, you know, there's a lot of teams worried about their depth. Uh, we are not one of them. No, 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 we are not. But uh, so stick around for everything that we got to offer uh, in the newspaper, in the e-paper, online, uh, on YouTube with our videos, and then, of course, on the Braves Report podcast, which will have shows after every game. But until then, uh, it's time for another ode to Acuna now that it's official. He's in the 40-40 club. Thank God for the opportunity, and, yeah, I'm extremely happy. And uh, honestly, rounding the bases, I don't know if I was more nervous or excited while we were doing it. How does it feel to know that your name will be in the record books alone for until somebody else does it? It's pretty incredible, and just to think of uh, you know how many players have uh, played in the big leagues, and you know my name's alone. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm sure someone will, will will break that record too. That's Acuna through translator Franco Garcia, and here's Snit. I, I just happy for him after everything he went through last year, just grinding through it all and going through all the inflammation, the pain, everything that he played through and now to have a healthy year and and um i guarantee it's it's like when players have that and they get hurt and all and i think they they really start appreciating things in the game and and what he's been able to do which has been pretty special i guess probably hard to digest now but there's so many things he's doing that he'll be the only one on those lists maybe for for years is that pretty crazy could be yeah i mean he may be blazing trails that nobody will go to again Best thing I saw to sum up Acuna's season is not only is he the original member of the 4060 club, and hopefully he can uh, take off 4070 while we're here, um, but he is the only person to do that in a career. No one has hit 40 home runs in one season and then stolen 60 bases in another, or vice versa. Oh, wow. That's that's a good note, Jay. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that cross-referencing. Yeah, and to think that he was three stolen bases away from two such seasons like yep. that uh he would have been the only person in the 4040 club to have done it twice uh and i still got plenty of time uh, yeah honestly i think with the way just the type of talent he has and let's face it like i'm not gonna say the rule changes are the reason he got those stolen bases they're not but it helps when you can't control the running game like they once did a guy like ronald acuna is not gonna get caught stealing very often if he gets on base enough he will get 40 stolen bases. Like I that's that's pretty easy for me to say just because he is that incredible. He could be the first guy in the 4040 club multiple times, the mo- first uh multi-offender in a good way. Um but no, that's crazy to cross-reference that over um a season. I also saw ESPN stats and info had a wonderful stat that he had um 160 home runs and 160 stolen bases, I think it was. Um before age 25 or younger and he was the only player in major league history like that he's just the youngest to do it so he's um man i mean we always we always talk about him and i think the thought i go back to is think back to 2016 and 2017 and what those years looked like um for the braves and you know for fans hoping to get out of that rebuild this guy had to be a savior man he had to be what he is and he's somehow he's been more than that. Like somehow he's exceeded expectations uh, put on him. He's had the pressure of being a number one prospect and the pressure of knowing that, yeah, like some of the future health, the organization a little bit rested on his shoulders. It doesn't work like that in baseball. But when you're a top prospect that is as heralded as he was, there is that pressure. And he has admitted to that. 
And man, he's just exceeded every expectation. The fact that he could go 40-70 to me is is ridiculous. And um, I think about some of the players in the game, Jay, as the fine folks listening heard me ask that question to Snit. Who's going to catch him? I mean, who's going to steal 60 bases while also hitting 40 home runs? I mean, I can think of maybe Mookie if he runs more. Tatis, maybe. That's a long way uh, to go, though. I, I, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think about that as you are going to have to have – there's going to have to be another generational player come along. I, I think Acuna could stand alone for a while. And just looking at the rest of his numbers, just just his line, is, it's, it's like a work of art just to watch all these – see all these numbers put together in the same place. The 40-70, if he gets there, even the 40-60, but obviously the 40-70 is just unbelievable. And, and I don't say that word very often. That's, I mean, it's unbelievable because it's, it's never happened. But to add on to that, hitting 337. Yes. OPS over 1,000. He's got over 200 hits. It's, he's, 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 in, he's leading the league in runs. He's checked every single – I mean, it, the MVP's over, right? I think it's got to be. And that's not I, – I think I said this a couple weeks ago that I thought the race was tight. Like, I thought going into L.A. and – Maybe even leaving LA, like I said, hey, let's see what happens in September. And it's really, it's really funny to me that coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, I don't know, I haven't asked, but going into LA, the talk was, wow, look at Vegas thinks Mookie Betts is the favorite now, and look at Mookie Betts had a month that nobody did since Lou Gehrig and you know the twenties or whatever it was, and that's how hot Mookie Betts was in August. He caught up, and to some, he surpassed Ronald. He certainly had better numbers to a degree uh, if you took out the stolen bases. And Ronald just went on a tear, just went scorched earth in September. Um, everything, the home runs, the hits, the stolen bases. Jay, we were talking at the end of August and early September about him creating the 30-60 club because he had hit his 30th home run, and it was the end of August, and you're thinking like, yeah, okay, maybe he gets to 40, but 10 home runs in a month is a lot. And and he's probably going to end with 41, 42, whatever. He can add on to this. And I think that's the most ridiculous part is just he has been hot the entire season. Like, I don't, I don't think I can point out a two-week stretch where he wasn't blistering hot. I mean, maybe a week, maybe a But we're games. in a Cunha slump. I don't think it's come out of our mouth on a word bubble of this uh, podcast all season long. Not at all. And... and all of this is to say, because I, I got long-winded there talking about his incredible achievements, as one tends to do, it's over. Like, it's over. It's got to be over. I think Mookie has a good case like any other year. Um, and I know we say that a lot about the guy who finishes second. Well, any other year, he'd have a good case. But um, remember when Otani lost last year? Because... Judge just happened to do something that hadn't been done, and and so and people got infatuated with that number. That that's kind of that's Mookie is Mookie is in that category of the guy playing really well, and Olson too, honestly, with the numbers he's putting up, the guys playing really well that are going to be overshadowed because of that forty seventy or forty sixty, whatever it ends up being. I think Mookie's best case, as people have pointed out, one of his best cases is that in addition to the offense, yeah, like. He plays shortstop. He played second base. He moved out to right field. 
Like he's done everything for the Dodgers that they've needed. And that has allowed them to be more flexible with their lineups. It's allowed their roster to kind of hide some of its flaws. Um, and he's played where they've needed him to play. But man, that does not supersede 4060. It doesn't supersede 4070. It doesn't supersede a 4040 season when you're also batting 337 with the OPS Ronald. I mean, he's just done it all. You cannot, you can't find a flaw in his game. I mean, maybe the one is like, I don't know if, you know, the, he's not the defensive metric. Sometimes don't shine the brightest on him. The jumps sometimes aren't as great in right field, but he's always got the athleticism and the speed to make up for it. And I, I just do not think you can find a flaw in, in his MVP case right now. If he gets eight more hits, he's at 210 hits. If he gets eight more hits and gets to 218, that will be the fifth most hits in a season all time in, in, in Braves franchise history. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of good hitters, man. He's he's already in the top 10 at at, two, at 210 on top of going 40-70. By, by the way, you know how many guys who've gone 40-40 in the Hall of Fame? Um, Wait, hold on, hold on. No. No, none of them, right? Nobody. Nobody. That, And you know what's like... The, the list, by the way, is Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, A-Rod, and uh, Alfonso Soriano. Okay, so I was... Jay, please take this out if, I, if, if it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. But I think <laughs> it's funny that when researching a lot of these guys like Olsen and, and Riley and Acuna, Olsen and Acuna specifically, you see some of these guys and you're like on the list they belong or that, that they're on and you're like... Huh. Like there there might be some sort of asterisk compared to like about what those guys have been accused of about, you know, certain things like that. I'm not gonna name any names, but you don't you think that as a baseball fan, how crazy it is what Acuna is doing considering like and, and Olsen considering, you know, some of these guys on those lists uh were involved in a specific era in this game. And that is what has kept them out of the Hall of Fame, by the way. Yep. Like that is what has kept them out of the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's pretty nuts that, yeah, nobody in the 4040 club that you wouldn't, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't think that, you know, what's the funniest thing is somebody to like me, who's 27 years old, uh, looking at some of those statistics, like, okay, I know of like, you know, Eric Davis's power and his speed. The fact that like, I don't remember Barry Bonds as a base dealer, like a little I, before I you, a little before your time. Yeah. And, and so Looking at, he had 53 stolen bases one year. I, yeah. I mean, it's insane. Like, he was just incredible. And by the way, um, Matt Olson just broke the Atlanta Braves record for RBIs, and he's inching closer to Eddie Matthews. And oh, by the way, Spencer Strider is this close to breaking John Smoltz's strikeout record, which I thought was kind of out of reach, but it's not. No, it is not. Um, he needs two strikeouts to tie it in his last start, which conceivably will come, if looking at the schedule, next weekend against these same Nationals. I think I think if you... Wow, I don't want to say this in a too brutal way, but if you, if my firstborn child's life was on the line... And but Spencer you don't Strider have one yet, to, but... Yes, I, I don't have one yet, so that's theoretical, which makes it less bad. And Spencer Strider had to strike out three Nationals to save my kid's life. I would take Spencer Strider. Like, I would feel 100% <laughs> confidence. Like, I would feel um, – I thought and he was then get, And then he'll get a blister tonight. on his pinky and leave in the second inning. Oh, no, boo. No. <laughs> uh, no, I – yeah, that's uh, 
gosh, I, you know, you wish it, isn't it weird? We talk about like the perfect team and what's going to go wrong. And then you always inevitably have circumstances around the playoffs that everybody's dealing with. Uh, that guy though is not one of them. He is terrific and he is putting the finishing touches on what could be a 21 season. All right, now time for what's next, and uh, what's next, the final week of the season at home. Uh, so you're going to get to sleep in your own bed for a little while, which I'm sure you will appreciate. Uh, but first up, it'll be the Cubbies and then the Nationals. And uh, looky here, the Cubbies are going to have to fight off the Marlins to get in the postseason, which I find kind of hysterical. I Yeah, I, I'm fascinated uh, and excited to watch the chaos from afar. Um, Jay, my Cincinnati take, I eat my L's. Nobody remembers that. Uh, but my Cincinnati take about who's going to be better at the end of the season with them in Philly, that didn't age very well. They're no. two and a half back with a week to play. It could still happen. I, f- I would feel insanely bad for the Marlins if they did not make the postseason. This is like, I think they're a little, like a year ahead. Um, oh my God. Yeah, the Cubs, I know the Marlins beat Riders when in Miami last week and we're talking about, well, you know, they just got to stay in striking distance because because the Braves play the Cubs. Yep. Uh, so the Braves can really do some damage to the Cubs this week. Uh, and if you look at, so I think Jay, the Braves have the home field advantage tiebreaker over the Dodgers because of head to head record this season. Um, the Dodgers have four fewer wins than the Braves, but they've got seven games left because one of them's a doubleheader. Uh, the Dodgers, so basically the situation you're looking at is this. If the Dodgers win all seven games remaining, the Braves would need to win just three of their games next week. So basically if the Braves just do not collapse, they will have home field advantage um, for until the World Series. Baltimore has three fewer wins than the Braves, and the Braves, and they have six games left, so... Basically, if they win all six of those, the Braves just have to win um, those three too, I, I believe, because they have the yeah they have the season series, the head to head over Baltimore. So what you're looking at, I think, Jay, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm doing this in real time right now. The Braves have to win three games in this final week, wherever they come. In those six games, they've got to win three of them. That is only if those other teams go six and zero and seven and zero. Um, six and zero for the Orioles, seven and zero for the Dodgers. Um, and what we're going to be looking at here, the Orioles have the Nationals at home, and then the Red Sox to end the season at home. Uh, so I guess in theory they could go six and zero. The Dodgers have a doubleheader with Colorado Tuesday. Tough to sweep those, but it's Colorado. It's also Coors Field. They are playing four games at Coors Field this week. And then three more in San Francisco. So the Dodgers got to win all seven of those games. That seems like a trip where they would lose one or two. So the Braves just shoot to win three of these games. And even if you don't, you're probably still going to get that home field advantage because I don't think the other teams are going undefeated. That's tough. Who are the players you're watching for now that that kind of have the most they've got to prove this week to make the postseason roster? I want to see if Elder's going to lock himself, and maybe he has in their minds. I'm going to see if Elder's going to lock himself into that spot of the, I guess, third starter, uh, if we want to say it like that. 
I'm also going to be watching Kyle Wright because I know they want to get extra looks at him, um, see him a couple more times in different scenarios, things like that. I'm going to want to see how he responds because say he gives up two runs in each outing, you know, in each outing out of the bullpen, like, is Kyle Wright a shoo-in? Like, has he done enough for you? Like, I think that's a little closer than people might think. Uh, just, but I, then again, I don't know who would, you know, come before him. I'm also going to be curious to see if they bring up like a Nick Anderson, for example, to see what he's got after a stint, uh, in AAA on the rehab assignment. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be in, intrigued to see that. Uh, who am I forgetting? I mean, I want to what see. What about Colin? What about Colin McHugh? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know that they would bring him up. I don't know if, if there's anything planned for that. I just don't know. He just has had a rough season. Like he had a good, really good chunk of this season, but I think he's had some rough times that I don't know that he moves the needle for the postseason roster. Um, but yeah, it, because you you would really think like to your over to your overall question, the position players are pretty much set, right? It just is a matter of like who they actually want to take. But it's like you know, it's like. Okay, like Forrest Wall, you know, is his speed. Nicky Lopez is going to be on there, that sort of thing. We kind of know who to expect in a way, and we can break this down on our, our next week's episode, obviously, as it gets closer because they will not release the roster, you know, until right before the round. But, I, yeah, I, I just think, for me, it's Kyle Wright is the most intriguing one. Like, I want to see how he looks. And then Bryce Elder, I want to see, like, is he going to, command that you know that third starter spot is he going to finish on a good note <sighs> the bullpen man i just don't know how it shakes out like i i mean i guess like you know you can take a good guess but what i'm saying is for sure like who knows especially because you know like you said earlier we're not in that room but i think to me kyle wright has got to be the most fascinating case of let's see what he does with this kind of different opportunity all right, now time for the Ask Justin segment where I answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. All right, first up, at Sonoya Duke, how many Braves would be better quarterbacks than Desmond Ritter? That's not fair. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, you know what? I think I think Riley would have a hose, man. Like, I think he'd have a bazooka. Like, I think you could just – you could send, like, a Percy Harvin-type receiver. You, well, let me, let me think of a Georgia guy. Uh, let's see – uh, you know there, there, there's, there's a few of them running around right now. We got Miko Hardman. We got uh, George Pickens. Uh, we got uh, Darnell Washington, the big old tight end. Was Brandon Boykin a receiver? He was a DB, Bra- right? Brandon Boykin. Brandon Boykin did play some receiver. Okay, let me let me send a speed guy like that all the way down there. Austin Riley could bazooka that thing all the way. Uh, split the field. You know what? No, that's that's unfair. I. I'm always amazed that, you know what, Jay, like I saw this on social media. Somebody complained about this, um, about how people take screenshots of like, oh, look at this quarterback. What was he seeing? But when they do the camera in real time of right behind a quarterback, I'm like, how do you play this position at a high level? (laughs) Like there's so much going on. Anyways, yeah, Desmond Ritter, don't know if he's the answer, um, but I'm going to say zero Braves. But make sure you tune into the Bowtie Chronicles to find out uh, if Desmond Ritter is the answer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, from D. Orlando Ludbetter, the dean of the Atlanta Falcons beat, which uh, you go have a new episode out coming up on Monday morning. So uh, when we're done with the Braves report, go head over and check out D-Led. Next up from Dakota, knowing what we know about Charlie, is there any chance Kyle Wright gets a start in the division series? 
Yeah. No, I think there's a chance. I mean, I think because he's had the experience of, you know, at least pitching in the World Series. And don't forget, I know this came in a drastically different season, but Kyle Wright was the only guy to win a game in the division series last year. Um, Kyle Wright won that game, too, against yes, Zach Wheeler in a very low-scoring, you know, or just tight affair, I should say. After an 80-hour um, rain delay. Oh, yeah. Re- remember that. That was... uh yeah, that's well. I guess Braves fans wanted a night start, and they got one. And they, they certainly they got, got one. They sure right. got one. Um, next, no, I I think there's I think there's a chance though. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, well, you got like six questions about Hurston Waldrop, and the short answer is no. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, <laughs> we've been. I was happy to get you know to be able to do some reporting on that because we've been getting asked about that for the better part of a month. Um, He's going to head into his offseason. He will not be on the postseason roster. Uh, the Braves just consider it, you know, a job well done. He did his job. Go prepare for next season. And look, like, I think when you look at it, they did. He never went more than four and two-thirds innings. So he didn't go five innings. He didn't go six innings in pro ball. He pitched over 100 innings for the Florida Gators, who went to the College World Series finals. Uh, he got drafted. He pitched for technically, you know, he went to low A, high A. Double A, and he only made a Triple A start because they wanted him to make one more start. The Double A season had ended last Sunday, uh, so yeah, I mean it, he's got just incredible potential, and it seems like he's, I mean he hasn't had a bad one yet. It seems uh, so, and he was sitting, you know, ninety seven, and he's a court, you know, in that Triple A start, a quarter topped out at ninety seven, sitting ninety five. He's got that nasty splitter. I would say he's going to be a guy we're going to want to watch in spring training. And we will not see him in the postseason. Next up from Anna Huffstutter, what is the one issue the Braves absolutely need to fix going into the postseason? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the, some of the weird starts. Like I think that's stuff that's really hard to overcome in the postseason. Like you can't have, you can't have shaky starts, right? Like. There's some we've seen over the last few weeks that I think as much as people want to talk about the bullpen, they've got to fix some of those bullpen lapses too. But your starters have to be a little steadier. Like I, you know, you're going to have traffic sometimes. You're not going to dominate every game. But I just think that like your horses have to be your horses and they've got to be not like almost perfect. I mean, that offense is really good. That's going to be behind them. But I would say that and like if you can, you know, just steady out the bullpen a little bit. But I think the starts, the starters have to be just a tad more consistent because correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but I feel like there's been a little bit of up and down here over the last month. Yes, it did. Uh, even even Spencer Star- Strider's start tonight got the W, but wasn't his best work yet. Yeah, and that's I. I just think that let try to steady that out a little bit. It doesn't always happen. Like you got to win in different ways. That's the one thing is like this Braves team is pretty much how you would draw it up if you'd want to go in the postseason with a certain group. But they've got to. I mean, and you could argue that with what they're going to be dealing with with Charlie, and who knows what happens, you know, with Max. Like that, the bullpen is even more important. Um, the Pension of giving up runs lately is a little concerning. I don't know how much do we weigh the fact that they already clinched and yeah, even if they're playing for something, it's like get it out now, whatever. Like it's probably hard to get up for these series, you know. Yep. Next up from uh, Tim D. Why can't either catcher buy a hit? 
And uh, I will point out that uh, in the last 30 days, both are hitting exactly 176. Yeah, that's nuts. I didn't expect that lineup to, or that position to become a black hole in the lineup. Um, that was, yeah, that's been shocking. Uh, and look, I wonder if like the every other day thing, one day on, one day off from just alternating starts, I wonder if that that's hurting right now in terms of like not being able to build a rhythm but it's keeping them fresh and like they want those guys for the game calling and and like obviously and they braves prioritize it a lot they put a lot on their catchers Uh, those guys do a ton of preparation um they're very impactful in the way games you know go and are managed um so you know and they've got a good enough offense where they they don't need their catchers to bat to you know 300 over a, a stretch or whatever they've got enough offense but man i mean to go from scorching hot, like a guy like Murphy go from scorching hot, that's baseball, I guess, right? I, I would say he still had a career year offensively. This is a nice step forward for him. Uh, Darno, man, he's had some tough luck, too. Last one from Coach Pannone's film supplier. On the rare occasion you're not at the ballpark, do you listen to Ben and Joe or Brandon and Frenchie? Ooh, that's good. You know what? I'm going to be honest here. Like, I'll catch up on stuff or sometimes I'll, like, obviously do my research but when i'm not at the ballpark if i'm not you know on the ballpark or if i've got you know one of those rare days off i try to tune out because it's just going to drive me insane to even you know keep watching it like i I try to tune out that's what or you know just and like i'll follow the coverage and, and things like that and then i'll go back and look at things i need to but usually during the game i'm listening to the broadcast just the brandon frenchie just so and that's not no disrespect to ben and joe who are amazing but I just want to see the feed too to see like things I missed. But yeah, when I'm when I'm off, um, hopefully that's not a major expose myself right there. But no, when I'm totally off, like I try to just recharge so I can do the best job I can when I do have to work. You know, you're entitled to a day off and not to think about work. And you're very fortunate that baseball is work, so you're entitled to to take the time off. All right, winners of the week. I will say Travis Kelsey for no, I'm just <laughs> um, I'm gonna say. Well, she played that up, didn't she? Oh my God, that was, <laughs> I don't know what to think about all that. That's probably a different episode. Um, <laughs> I, my girlfriend's expect, been, I never expected Taylor Swift to get involved in the show, but here she is. But, yeah, yeah, no, uh, my girlfriend's been loving the intersection of sports in my life and me now talking about pop culture because of this. I'm curious about it, uh, but you know what? I'm going to go with Forest Wall. Stole mine. That, That's a good one, though. I, I knew it. That sounds like one you would go with. I'm not going to go with Acuna. I'm not going to go with. I'm going to go with Forrest Ball. He gets drafted by the Rockies, 35th overall pick in 2014. He spends his life in the minors after that, nine years. He comes up this summer. In his first start, he homers. And oh, by the way, he's homered in like his seventh career at bat because his first two at bats of the night were walks. I just think this is a wonderful story. One of the reasons we really, really love this sport. Uh, and I thought it was really touching, Jay, that Snit mentioned after the game that uh, even without this, he and Walt Weiss, the bench coach, were talking about how they wanted to give Forrest the lineup card to frame. And I thought that was really touching. And he's going to be an impact player if the Braves make a run. I just remember stealing two bases within three pitches when he his mm. official major league debut uh in milwaukee um in the second half in july there uh so yeah I, he's like the guy that 
because you have so much depth, you want to pinch run for somebody. You send him out there. Like he's he's basically going to steal a base as easy as Ronald's going to steal a base. Uh, and I mean, I think that's a huge weapon to have, especially with new rules. Uh, he is. I think he's going to find himself in there somewhere this postseason. I mean, I think he's going to be impactful. I'm going to put you on the spot since I took yours. Who's number two for you? Well, well, I am as a professional broadcaster. I am prepared for all uh, situations, and I'm going to go with Ozzy Albies. Nice. The Braves' second baseman has a year where he hits 30 homers and has 100 RBIs again, and it's like the 19th most impressive thing that's happened this year. It is the quietest 30 homer, 100 RBI season I think we could have imagined. Uh, and doesn't it make you think, like, and we were part of this very small problem, I don't think we talked enough last year about how they were missing Ozzy. Like, I think that was, yeah. we just accepted it at a certain point because every team goes through things like that. And the Braves, to be fair to us and others who didn't harp on this or beat a dead horse, the Braves are so good that they can overcome not having somebody because they are so deep. They're so good. They've got talent all over their lineup. But he's the heart and soul, man. Like when you, Snit said a couple days ago, when you'd, if you were to model a baseball player, it'd be him. Because of the way he works, the way he plays, the intensity with which he plays, um, I just think we did we we didn't know how much this team missed him, uh, and maybe the difference he would have made down the stretch there, or in the NLDS, or the fact that he was like they hope Charlie Morton is this year, probably ready to come back in the NLCS if they'd advanced. Yep. All right. So that's uh, that's it for our. Next to last regular season episode of the Braves Report. So you've got your marching orders. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, rate, review, follow, share, subscribe. And uh, Justin, we'll uh, see you after game 162 on Sunday. Wow. Already. Um, I was telling our colleague, MLB.com's Mark Bowman, that uh, when you ride out, you know, you get to this point of the year and you ride out 156, 155, 154 on the the number, the game number on your in your scorebook, you're like, man, that's. That's a lot of games. Our friends, our friends in football only have seventeen of those. Hey, but at least we have something to do every night. I I love it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, how would you? And in football, it's funny. Like everything's important. Everything that happens on every game day is important, and it can't be overstated enough because there are so few games. And with baseball, it's like the fascinating thing is if you're covering the Royals right now, or if you're if we were talking about the, I'm just trying to think like. Well, the Red Sox and the Yankees are actually inflammatory, so that might be interesting. That's, that's as entertaining in another, but, another realm. Yeah, but if we were talking about the Nationals right now or the Royals or the A's, like the season's been over for so long and you're picking little s- straws out of a hat each day, you know, and there's not a ton of it. You're finding needles in the haystack. This is about the best team we could be talking about, and we're excited because, Jay, I think – uh our weekly shows are eventually going to become daily in the postseason uh, and close to it. Um, you know, not including the off days. Uh, but this team, uh, this team's got a long way to go. So I think we've got a lot more words left to say. Yep, we'll be there for you after every postseason game. But until then, we will see you next Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. 
We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.